Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today here in our studies in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we've been here in chapter number 4, looking at verse number 12, which says, That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So we've been looking at this idea left off with, Talk about how Paul saying that you may have lack of nothing. And we ended last episode really looking at the idea of how Israel had the promise of physical blessings. And when they were doing the right things under the law, that they would receive all of these physical blessings in areas of their life where it was very visible that they were walking right and somebody could look at them and know that they were keeping the law. Now, we know as members of the body of Christ that we're not promised any physical blessings. We are given all spiritual blessings in heavenly places according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So, when Paul is saying this here about the idea of the a lack of nothing, we can also look at some of the things that he writes and see how he really talks about this issue of somebody having some suffering in areas that's going on. In fact, we can look, for example, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And we'll look here as he writes the assembly in Corinth and talks about the situations that he had been in at by the time he was writing this epistle. And we start here at verse number 23, and we're going to read down through verse number 28 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, when you read this list and you see how Paul's describing this level of suffering, and you know that this is only part way through his ministry, he's listing things of where the only way to really think about this is that pretty much every day of his life, one of these things had to be a reality for him of what was going on. And that he did not have an easy life. He did not have an easy ministry. And 
he's going through all of these things and you see how it's just really suffering after suffering after suffering and yet he can say about how we're going to have a lack of nothing. In fact, he writes over, and let's go to Philippians chapter number four. And we're going to see how he's going to describe the mindset that he had here in Philippians chapter number four. And we're going to read here verses 11 and 12, which say, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So here you have Paul as he's writing to the assembly in Philippi, talking about really in a sense that there's good times that he had where he had all of his needs were being met. There were bad times where he had a lack of things. And he says that what he had learned is that he was to be content no matter which situation he was in, whether he had an abundance of things or he had a lack of things. He was to have a contentment in that state. It, that's something that you know, really most people do not have that kind of a thought process because everyone wants to have their needs met. You know, this is definitely something that Israel never could have said about themselves because they were promised all of those physical blessings. They could not say that they could be content in a situation where they did not have their physical needs being met. But here we have Paul saying that he learned that he could be content in that situation. That's a different mindset than what we typically think somebody should have. We see how in his very last epistle, let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we're going to see how Paul, as he's closing out writing here to Timothy, and he's just described what the local assembly is going to look like in the last days of this dispensation, but when we pick up here in verse number 10 of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, which says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came upon me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, we see how Paul's describing this, talk about telling Timothy, you've seen all of these things in my life. And then says, you know, that the Lord delivered him. Now, the Lord did not physically deliver him from all of those situations. The deliverance 
that we see the Apostle Paul talking about ties in with the passage that we just read over in the book of Philippians, talking about that idea of being content in those situations, which, again, it's already have said, this is a different mindset, a tough thing to really be identifying with. And Paul could have this type of a thought process because he understood what the reality of things is. Let's turn back to Philippians chapter number four. Because we're going to read here how Paul's closing out this epistle, which is really going to answer this idea here. When we go down to verse number 19, which says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The reason why the Apostle Paul could say that he's content in these things, that he could say that he's been delivered from all of these things, is because he knows and can identify the fact that everything he needs has already been given to him. And as he says here, God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So through what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross at Calvary, and through what we see in the doctrine given to us in the written word, everything that we need as a member of the body of Christ has been given unto us. That's why you can see how, you know, and I call this one of those bumper sticker verses because people just keep pulling out every time that they think that they, it will help them, you know, in this same chapter, verse 13, when it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And think that it, this is just a thing. Well, I can do anything that I put my mind to it. I can do it through Christ. The idea with it is, and he's, and tie it in with just, just verses 11 and 12, what we had just been looking at here of the fact of, I learned how to be a base, I know how to abound, I know how to be hungry, I know how to suffer need. That idea of no matter what the situation actually is, Paul knows he can accomplish what he needs to accomplish through the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that, you know, the fact that he's identified as a member of the body of Christ because he's put his trust in the only gospel message which can save someone today. The fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. You find it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Once somebody puts their trust in that message... They're sealed with the spirit of promise, kept as a member of the body of Christ, and have all of the blessings that we can see. All the things that Paul says that are the things that we need today. We can see how 
Paul starts to identify these things, and you go through his epistles, and you just clearly identify all of these things he says. In fact, we'll go over to Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're going to look at a verse that, you know, because I've been studying the book of Ephesians on Sundays when when I'm teaching, here in verse number 32, this is where we've been the last couple weeks, where it says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We already have, as a present possession, forgiveness. You know, when you look at the nation of Israel, look at the things that the Word says about them, you see how it's clear that they are waiting for forgiveness as a future thing that's going to come to them. You read Ephesians chapter three and verse nine, or Acts chapter three and verse nineteen, and see how Luke writes in the book of Acts and talks about how their forgiveness is going to come when the times of refreshing happen. So when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, they'll receive their forgiveness then. We already have forgiveness as a present possession. We see how Paul writes, let's go over to Romans chapter number 6. And this is you know another one of these glorious things that when we talk about things in this dispensation here, and that's right, read here Romans chapter 6, we're going to read verse number 14, where it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. We've been removed from any influence that the law could have had in our lives. You know, the law does not work today. You know, this is not how God is dealing with individuals. You know, and over and over again, you see the Apostle Paul having to bring that up. And he brings it up repeatedly because if you read through the other scriptures, you can see how the law was how God was dealing with individuals. And if Paul doesn't keep bringing up the fact that we're not under the law, someone's going to try to put themselves under the law system thinking that that is the way that there could be pleasing unto God. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We're going to see how Paul starts to describe something here. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we're going to start here at verse number 51 and read down through verse 57. It says, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, 
which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is identifying the fact that we as the members of the body of Christ have a victory over these things. We have a victory over death. We have a victory over sin. We have a victory over the things of the law. And that victory has nothing to do with us and who we are. That victory has everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on our behalf at Calvary. When he took it, we're going to look at the next verse, which is going to identify what was really accomplished here at the cross. Now let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we're going to read here verses 18 through 21, talking about what has been accomplished for us. And it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see how Paul identifies the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin. He was made sin because upon him was placed all of the sin of mankind. So that way we would be able to have access to his righteousness. That's why he said, you know, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So a trade has been made to where our sin taken off of us, so that way we could receive his righteousness, so that way there could be as Paul's talked about here in this passage, he keeps using the words over and over again, the idea of that reconciliation, the restoration of a relationship between God and man can occur. And that relationship which had been impacted by what Adam did in the garden can now be restored through what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished at Calvary. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we're going to see here how Paul's going to identify something here that is part of the future hope that we have here. And we're read here verses 11 through 13 of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, which says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, 
we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, when you read this passage, you know, one of the first things that becomes very clear is the fact that he cannot deny himself. So, there's not a position to where somebody could put themselves to where they could lose their salvation. There's always that guarantee of that salvation, the guarantee that we're going to have that relationship with him, that we're going to be with him. And the promise of the fact that if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So if we're doing the right things according to the doctrine and suffering with him, we're going to reign with him. If we deny him that suffering by denying the doctrine that's here, he's going to deny us that ability to reign with him. We still have our salvation. We're still going to be in the heavenly places. We're just not going to have the position that we should have had. And we can see how Paul describes us. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter number 1. And we're going to see the description that he gives here. And we're going to start here at verse number 20 of Ephesians 1. And read down through verse number 23. It says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And we see how there, the promise that we have from this passage and this inheritance that's being described is that we as the members of the body of Christ, ruling and reigning with him, are going to fill these positions in the heavenly places for all eternity. And that's such a glorious thing to even think about, to have some level of understanding of the fact that this is what has been promised for us, that we are going to be you know, in those positions that we have the ability to function in them because of the fact that we've been following the doctrine. This is what our life today is preparing us so that way we can be able to function in those places for all eternity. You know, this life today really is, in a sense, it's a practice ground for us for all of eternity. And when we think about it from that aspect and understand, things, it gives us that idea of you know why it is that we should be 
doing all of the things that are truly pleasing unto God. Now, when we pick up next week, we're going to actually start looking at, you know, starting in verse number 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And we're going to talk about the events that is commonly called the rapture. You know, the scriptures will call this term really the catching out of the saints. And we're going to start looking at some things about what it is that the scriptures really say about this event. Because we can see today that there are individuals who question the timing of the event, question that is this event even truly going to happen and deny that there's even an event known as the catching out of the saints. And we're going to see what does the Apostle Paul really say about these things. And it's going to take us in, if you've been listening, you know that, that we go slowly to make sure that we're covering all of the information that the Word of God says. We're going to take enough time to really cover the topic thoroughly. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of God's Word. We have information about how to join our Sunday and Wednesday services live as they're being broadcast on Facebook. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything in our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.